The strong wind was howling and whistling. He was the first Chinese citizen to graduate from Yale University in the mid-19th century. I was born on the 17th of November. She had prominent features. Three of us were old enough to lend a helping hand. He navigated between two vastly different cultures and moved further to realize his dream and promote understanding between the people of China and the United States. Ye Mingxing was a native of Hanyang. I realized no danger. China is really awakening. Come and join us in discovering the incredible journey of Yong Wang in his autobiography, My Life in China and America. Check out the audible stories on radio.cgtn.com and all major podcast platforms. Just search for the podcast Books and Beyond and find My Life in China and America. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Roundtable. I'm He Yang, coming to you from Beijing. Today, we present the last installment of special program series "What's the Talk." The series is about bringing people together for a discussion on pressing issues that affect all of us. We seek to amplify the voice of the youth or Generation Z across the world and provide a platform for different opinions as well as foster understanding. My colleague Li Zhao spoke with four guests via the internet. The throughline of the discussion focuses on peace, security, and prosperity. Welcome to our special program, What's the Talk, where we listen to the voice of the younger generation across the world. And today. Our focus will be something very special: peace. Now, peace by definition means harmony in the absence of hostility and violence. It can also mean a state, a period in which there is no war or a war has ended. And of course, we're not just focused on physical wars. We're also going to be talking about mental wars, like bullying, discrimination, or even cyber trolling. And without further ado, let me first introduce our guests today. We have. Very good lineup. First, we have Toto, a model and also internet influencer. He has around five hundred seventy thousand followers on Douyin Chinese TikTok. Say hi, Toto. Hello, 大家好 Hello, everyone. Peace and love, baby. Thank、okay. you for having me. Thank you. And next, we have Yulia, a Russian native who is now studying at Tsinghua University. Hi, Yulia. Hi, everyone. I'm Yulia. And we have Trinella from the Democratic Republic of Congo,、um, a master's student studying international relations at Tsinghua University. And、um, prior to her education in Tsinghua, she actually studied in a police college in eastern China's Zhejiang. Hi, Trinella. Hi, I'm Trinella. Nice to see you. And next we have Myrna, my colleague. She's a host of CGTN Digital, also an editor.、Um, I don't know if you guys can tell, she's a mix of Chinese and Jordanian. Hi, Myrna. Hi, Michelle. Hi, everyone. Happy to be here. All right. So, um, we're talking about peace today, right? Like Toto said, peace and love. Um, by definition, it's such a broad term. It can mean a state in which there's no war or state of tranquility. What we all talking about is psychological peace. So, tell me, what does peace mean in your opinion, Toto? Let's start from you. Well, I think, yeah. Peace, like by extension, is is a lack of violence and hate. So to be at peace is to be without violence or hate. So peace, you have to be at peace with yourself, with your skin, with your race, with your mind, and then I think you can really find true peace. And so for me, peace means being proud of who you are, being proud of where you're from, sharing peace, sharing love, being proud of your own skin, your own race, and also being proud of other people's peace and their own race and their own skin. And so I think, as much as possible, you just have to eliminate all hate, all violence—not just physically, but in yourself, in your mind. Eliminate any hate or any violent feelings you have towards other people, and find true peace. And be proud of yourself, and be confident. And then, you know, that's that's peace to me. You know, spread love, spread peace, do things, and that's real peace.、Mm, so be proud of yourself while also、um, respect others as well. Absolutely, yeah. I have a lot of friends who, you know, they grew up here in the UK, grew up in the West, and they're of an Asian background. And actually, they feel very afraid to embrace that, and they want to really integrate into Western society, and they sort of lost their backgrounds. And so, I always tell them, 
as much as you can embrace other cultures and you can embrace being in the West and you can embrace anybody, but if you can't embrace your original background and where you're from, you'll never be at peace with yourself. And so I think this is a really big part of peace is to be at peace with your own identity, with your own self. No matter your gender, your race, your age, anything, you have to be at peace. You have to love yourself and then you can love others and spread peace. Mm, absolutely. So Marina, you are mixed also. Um, tell me, what does peace mean to you? To me, I think peace mostly means understanding and acceptance and the respect of all cultures, basically. Coming from a mixed background, I was brought up in like a household where you never look at someone like, oh, she's Jordanian or she's Chinese. That's why, one, two, three, four, five. If you have a problem with someone or if you're thinking something about them, a character is unpleasant, you should never connect it or relate it to the country they come from or from the ethnic background they come from. So for me, peace is being in harmony with within yourself, be proud of who you are, but also being very acceptance of other nationalities, other cultures and other backgrounds. It's also about embracing other identities. All right, um, now let's go to Yulia. What does peace mean to you? Everyone in front of me has actually said the most important thing between uh, people and between two identities. In my opinion, peace is not only a small word, but also a huge word about uh, violence, about conflict. And in my opinion, peace is not only the absence of conflict, but it's the ability to manage to solve the conflicts. And it's important to have the opportunity for change and increasing understanding because uh, in our world between everyone, there are a bunch of conflicts, there are a bunch of misunderstandings. But the most important thing is during this conflict, you should understand each other, you should uh, pay more attention and try to solve the conflict. I think that's the most important uh, thing. And also, peace is more likely to be a commitment to do no harm to each other uh, and not only to each other, but also to our nature and to let it be the way it is. So um, I know you speak perfect Chinese, but the first the yeah. time when you first came to China, um, is your Chinese as good as well, you can say it right now? <laughs> no, of course not. Then I was uh, really, the, my first time in Beijing, I can only say, Jago, uh, that means this one, mm. because my father thought it's really easy to order stuff or to get something that I want, just to say, uh, I want this, 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 and they're just going to give me. So yeah, during that period, there were a bunch of problems, but thank God, I managed to learn Chinese really quickly, mm -hmm. and then everything got a lot better. So thinking back, at the time when your Chinese is not as good, are the Chinese people here helpful? Yeah, of course. When I was, uh, I was actually really young, about 10, 12 years old. And in my um, compound, there were a bunch of kids and I was trying to play with them. But at the first time, because I cannot speak any Chinese, uh, that was kind of hard to talk to them. I can only understand the gestures. But uh, after a time, I think after a week of me hanging out with them, one day this little girl came to me and she said, uh, thank you and hello in Russian. That was really surprising to me. And it turns out that her grandpa had actually been to the you know, Russia and been working there for a long time. So she thought it, it's going to be really heartwarming and kind for her to actually learn how to say something in Russian and communicate with me. You know, this case is actually proves that China is a really heartwarming place for me. And I believe since that moment, I thought that China has the really huge opportunity to let you have a sense of belonging. You know, if you communicate with uh, the kids, with your friends, you can actually understand that China is not only accepting you as a person, but also trying to let the community, to let the surrounding around you be more uh, peaceful and uh, just suits you well. Yeah. I just, I uh, really enjoyed that speech. So I want to say, Spasiba. Okay. <laughs> That's really heartwarming too. <laughs> All right. Um, now let's go to Chanala. What does peace mean to you? For me, peace means like creating a safe uh, environment for me, or for my friends, or my family. It can also mean advocating for social justice and equality between us, between people in the society. In the society. 
And then, for example, uh, during the COVID-19 last year in December, because last year in December, the COVID-19 was so hard in Beijing. And because of peace, I had also the manager of my building to give some medicine to those in need and then to go to search for food for them, just for app. Wait, did you volunteer to do that? Yeah, I was volunteering. It was for free. I, did, I didn't pay me anything. Mm. You just want to do it? Yeah, I just want to do it. Because I think if I do bad things, uh, good things to people, mm. it's like, uh, it will come to me. Is that in China, they say, Ingo, because you do good things, it will come to me. It will come to you. So Ingo, when you like, do good things to people, we come back to you. So I, have to, I like to do good things to people. So maybe it will come to me or come to my kids. I don't know if I Okay, so you like peace and then you want peace. So get back to you yeah, as well and to your family. My family, to my community, to, to in the world in general, I can say. Mm-hmm. Now let's, um, I know you, you guys all share a little bit about your personal stories. Now let's dive deep into that total. Um, you just said you, you have friends who are living in the Western world and then they don't really yeah. want to, they kind of want to hide their um, you know, Asian identity and then just immerse themselves to the Western culture and stuff. Uh, do you have any other experiences that you want to share? Maybe someone around you? Sure. Yeah. Well, first off, I'd say I think one of the reasons why they don't want to embrace their heritage is, unfortunately, in the West, there is still this kind of secret, very subtle, very slow feeling that being Asian is not cool. So that's one of the things I think, you know, we have to fight against. Do you agree really with that? What do you think? Of course not. You know, I think Asian is beautiful. Black is beautiful. Brown is beautiful. We're all beautiful. You know, we're minorities, but actually every single minority has its own beauty. And so it breaks my heart, actually, that, you know, some of my own brothers and sisters feel ashamed or even just shy to embrace their heritage and to be confident and proud and show themselves. And so I think in terms of stories, like one thing you have to know about me is from a very young age, when I grew up in London, I didn't know much about China. My dad was always working. We were quite poor and we lived in this like hole in the wall, small flat, you know, and he was always working. And so I didn't get a chance to learn Chinese, to embrace China, but I was always very proud and I was very lucky to be proud. It gave me peace. It gave me joy. But some of my friends didn't have that. And I think when I was young, I was wrong. I made some mistakes because I thought that the best way to show my pride and to be confident and proud and to embrace being Asian was to aggressively fight bullying and racism and things that I saw. So the story I wanted to share was one at school, actually. It was a really, really horrible situation. And I, I feel very ashamed of what happened because there was a kid in my year in my school and uh, he was from an Asian background. And these guys, basically, I, I discovered they forced him to do their homework. He was really intelligent. And basically, they all had this like essay that they had to write. And it took about a month to do. And basically, this whole gang of bullies, they forced this Asian kid to write their homework. And so this kid who came from an immigrant background, first generation, very poor, every single day for a month, he would go home and he would write their homework. And he would spend time doing this long essay of all these other people. And so when I discovered that, I was, of course, really, really angry. You know, I wanted to help him. But I think part of the problem was at that time, my understanding of pride, of togetherness, of peace and love was wrong. So I thought the way to deal with it was to fight back like this, you know, so these guys, this gang, actually me and them, we weren't like enemies. We were okay. I didn't have any problems with them. But when I found this out, I went, of course I went up to them, you know, me and like one other guy went up to them and we said, you know, you can't do this. And we used some very bad language that I'm not going to share right now. And we got in a physical fight. And I remember thinking at the time, even though of course I felt terrible and it was disgusting and I had blood like this all over my face and it was horrible. But I remember thinking, I'm being like a martyr. I'm being like a hero. I thought I was doing the right thing at the time. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm Chinese and I'm defending my other Chinese friend and this is all fine. And I was going home that day. And of course, my teachers were really angry and my mom was really angry. But when I went back home and I thought my dad, who, who's Chinese, my dad is from Beijing. I thought he would say, Urza, oh, I thought he'd be proud. I thought he'd think I'd done the right thing. And actually, I was completely wrong. And I got home and I was even more ashamed. And actually, that was the worst thing about all of it. Because he said to me, because you're not helping the kid who suffered. What you want to do is you want to take this kid who's got no friends, who's being forced to do other people's homework, and you want to make friends with him. And you want to get to know him. 
but fighting them and using violence and using hate, what are you achieving? You know, and so that's always stuck with me. Of course, I think it goes without saying, like, it's a very obvious thing to say, don't fight, don't be violent. Everybody knows that. But I think it's also really important to know that, you know, you're just going to lose yourself and lose your face if you give in to these things. And so I think what we have to do in a general way is to take all our anger towards racism and all our anger towards bullying and just remember that putting it back in their face is not the solution. It's only going to make things worse. We have to find peace and we have to find understanding and actually it's a really, really important lesson. And I think for my whole life, I'll never forget the shame and the disappointment that I felt when I went home that day. That was actually the strongest feeling I had. And I discovered that. And I think since then, um, it's really changed me and it sort of shaped my experience to know that actually, you know, you can fight back against hate as much as you can. And of course, what we want to do is make the racists and the haters more and more excluded. But using their way is just, and it goes without saying, is always just a loss. And actually, you're giving in, and that's the wrong thing to do. So that's always stuck with me. All right, tell us about your story, Amara. So um, for me, my part is growing up being mixed. How do, how do I explain this in a more understandable way? When I talk to people and the normal question is, where are you from? I would never ask someone, where are you from, and expect a one-word answer. So if someone tells me, oh, I'm French, I would continue the question be like, where in France, where does your mom come from? Where does your dad come from? Where's your hometown? What's that like? Because growing up for me, my mom's Chinese, but let's say my grandparents are from Beijing, but going back a few generations, are they originally from Beijing? Where else could they be from? I've always been curious. And then from my dad, my dad's part, Jordan. He is not fully Jordanian because he was born in Saudi Arabia. And then my grandma was born in Lebanon. And then my grandpa was born in Saudi Arabia as well. So if you go back a few generations, I don't want to lose these connections. So every time I meet a Saudi Arabian person, I could be like, oh, my grandpa's from there. I feel more connected to you. Or when I meet someone from Lebanon, I'm like, oh, well, my grandmother's from there. I feel more connected to you. I always feel like the way we are shaped is part of a long line of grandparents and parents before them that brought us to this world that they may not even represent one culture and i am hoping for future descendants of mine that they could let's say they're from a specific place but i hope they never forget that my mom was originally from china and jordan so i want this line to always continue but living abroad not everyone obviously would share this mentality so let's say if i was in jordan and then a lot of kids would call me oh the chinese girl that was like the name. And then when I was in the U.S. growing up, they'd be like, oh, she's Chinese and she's Arab. What does that mean? Like, where is that from? But then what my mom and dad always taught me is that you need to be proud of yourself first so people can understand that. Since you're proud of yourself, anything they come at you with, anything they want to attack you with, it's not going to hit you so hard because I'm so proud of my heritage. You cannot use anything to hurt me. I've always wanted this opinion for myself, but obviously not everyone would understand that. And growing up, I've always felt like there's other methods maybe to make them more accepting and more appreciative of your culture. So let's say when I was living abroad and there were culture days at school, my mom would always cook me a very lovely Chinese dish. And in that way, I think that breaks a barrier between someone not respecting your culture. So I think that would be a method of making people appreciative and understanding of your culture. So first off, for me, I would always say use, I think, a method to make them understand you since that's your, you're trying, that's your approach. But whether or not they end up really understanding you or still hoping to offend you, that's their problem. That doesn't really affect me eventually. Um, all right. Um, now let's go to Yulia. Tell us about your story. Uh, back in my high school, uh, it was a traditional Russian type of high school. You know, and everyone is like really Russian in any ways that she can imagine <laughs> that. Uh, so basically, uh, we had this kid. She was really shy and she was not actually talking to anyone. Every time during the time break or uh, during our classes, between our classes, uh, a lot of boys, you know, during that period, the puberty time, uh, they were trying to some kind of let her talk and get her attention. I think it was in a good way. But uh, the way they were trying to get her attention, to catch her attention, was actually not that kind of great. They were trying to, you know, uh, steal her books or to get something for her, you know, to to fill her hair or anything like that. You know, like puberty, the boys are doing. 
But during that period, um, in, I think it was late winter back then, and I found her crying in bathroom. Back then, I didn't do anything, but in my mind, there was always a thing that's saying, oh, why is she so quiet? Is there something like bad going on with her or is that like a sickness or maybe like some psychological way she's not that kind of help? I guess you know, if you I could go I... back, what would you do? If I would go back, I would probably, I will just try to live her alone because, you know, as a grown up, as the person that's seen for me, types of people, I think the best way is to leave her alone because if she don't want to talk, she will not, she will never talk about anything. But if she, but I will always be there for her, you know, if, if there is a chance that I can stop that boy, then to just leave her alone, I think I will do that, you know. All right, um, it's your turn, Trinala. What's your story? Okay, when I leave my country, I was like 18 years old. I directly come to China and I was not speaking Chinese any word. I was like, even to say ni hao, saying ha ha. I didn't know how to speak. I didn't know how to speak. And then I had one teacher, she was really good to me. I was like the one black girl in my class, all of my class. And then she was every time take me good. She was every time ask me, how is what your family? How is... How can your father can call you or he can come here in China because they know like Africa is very fast to China, you know. And then they were every time checking me when I was not happy, when I, when I, when sometimes it was, was so cold. And then one day I didn't go to the class and just called me, ah, why you didn't come? And then I was like, in my country, don't have winter. So <laughs> it's my first time to live in winter. So what do you want me to do? And then she was like, yeah, I can pick you to go to buy uh, uh, some clothes so you can keep you warm. And then I thought, okay. And then she, she was every time like that. And then when I finished my Chinese language in, in Toronto University, she sent me a gift. When I was young, I didn't have those kind of teachers who was showing me love. When I come in the country, I don't have anybody to take, to take care of me, to know how I, how I am, if I eat or not. That girl, she was like, my treasure she was like yeah i really like her now i don't know if my chinese is really good but if my chinese is good it's because of that teacher i think like everywhere when you go because you you have your son how we can eat like affinity so you gotta find somebody who can give you peace and love mm -hmm. i love that story okay. all right um so we shared a lot of stories in total so, uh, shared a story about um one of his friends being bullied and uh, i want to show you guys this a poll that um we actually did um prior to our show today so we asked our viewers have you ever been bullied or discriminated against um we received around 25 um 2400 votes and 80 percent said yes that's a huge number guys 80 percent said yes let me actually read you some of their comments um this person said i'm a redhead so yes yes i never liked being bullied but it made me stronger you can be a victim or a warrior you choose not a warrior i guess from Toto's sharing you don't want to be a warrior you want to sh um i guess share that kind of love peacefully right Toto? sure maybe maybe her understanding of warrior is more like to protect herself you know, like oh, stand yeah. up and said, no, yeah, I'm the way I am. So, yeah, I think that's the warrior. Yeah, mm -hmm. good warriors and bad warriors, I think. <laughs> In that case, yeah, be a warrior. Um, and next, um, this person said, I can't do anything, but my heart just cries and then move on. I'm so sorry for this person. Um, yeah. And then we all the forget. The thing is to move on. Uh, yeah. At, at least they're moving on. Yeah. Yeah. At least you move on. And then still carry peace in your heart and this person said yes and i threat them out of my account block and report their account i think a lot of people do that right when you're receiving hate comments and then you just do that you're actually an internet influencer total do you do that as well when you're receiving hate comments sure i actually i'm so weird i quite like them you know when i get more hate comments i think wow people actually care so i'm all right but you like hate comments did you just say you like yeah. hate comments? 
I don't know if I like them, but uh, I definitely have a weird, you know, acceptance of them because I think at least like, you know, people are showing some sort of interest and it means that it's affecting people in some way, you know, and I always think, well, who's writing this and why do they care so much? And I think the reason they care is because they have some kind of problem or some hate or some conflict in themselves. And so if anything, I sort of wish I could speak to them and discuss these things with them and think about why are you so angry and what are you so angry about, you know? Will you reply to those comments? Sometimes, yeah. If it's worth it, I think. If there's some sort of dialogue that's worth discussing, sometimes, yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, for Myrna, have you ever received any hate comments from social media, I guess from strangers? Uh, surprisingly, uh, no. towards videos, sometimes it might be your Arabic side not approving of the content that you're saying, or it might be from your Chinese side not approving from the content that you're saying. But the internet world is... Someone always has to say something. Sometimes they might not actually know what they're saying, but they feel like my job today is just come and write something and then I'm done for today. So I think obviously if you get 10 compliments and you have one bad comment, that's going to affect your feelings more than the 10 compliments you got. Mm. So I think getting, maybe I should follow Toto's opinion of like, if someone writes something means at least they care. But it's true. Sometimes you can get so many lovely comments, but then that one comment really does affect your mood. And sure. Um, you know, when we're entering the social media era, a lot of times you receive comments from strangers. And, you know, um, I'm a reporter. My stories got posted on CGT and social media a lot. And sometimes I receive comments like, oh, this reporter, are she, her face is so round. Her eyes are not big enough. You know, like I'm doing a story. I'm a reporter. I'm not a... Like, I'm not an idol, I'm not a superstar, I'm not a girl band. <laughs> um, but have you guys ever encountered the same experience? You know, uh, we all use Instagram, we all use TikTok, we all use this kind of, like, Weibo or anything like that, you know. During uh, one period, I was actually really interested in Weibo, and I was posting a bunch of photos, a bunch of my experience, because I was traveling uh, in China to Wuhan to... Uh, Suzhou, it was actually quite an amazing time. So I was, I was not only posting pictures of, you know, like sightseeing and everything, but I was also posting pictures of myself. And uh, me, uh, in eyes of other people, like uh, whether he's Chinese or not, I might have been a little bit maybe chubby or uh, my hair is not. Oh, you're beautiful. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> just uh, in their eyes, yeah, I, they're just gonna think that I'm a little bit too posting too much, or I'm a little overconfident, or something like that. So they will post a lot of comments. Yeah, sure. I agree with Toto, and also, um, you know, about replying to the comments. I actually always reply. I will just say, I, I will just say, "Oh, really? You care about me?" Something <laughs> <laughs> really bad. Oh, oh, really? You care about me? Oh, wow. So, so I would reply to every single one of them? Yeah, literally. Because I, I, I always reply to all the comments. No matter if it's a good one or a bad one, I will like the comments. I will just, like, talk to each other. Because I think, like, on social medias, if you leave your comment, it's really nice if it's a good one. Uh, but it's also really nice to reply to others because they know you care about their comments. And next time, if you reply to all the good comments, if you like them, if you talk to them, they will try and re and leave a good comment next time. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, just online, you just treat everything with the humor, with a sense of humor, just like don't believe in every word anyone says because, you know, there is like a lot of people online. You, you can never change their mind. It, it, it's impossible. So the only thing that you can do is actually to change your mind, to change your understanding. And I think that's the most important part. Sure. I like that. Uh, we're going to be talking about internet trolling very soon. But first, yeah. uh, let's we're talking about uh, peace in real life. Um, I know you guys sort of share your own personal stories, but let's get on to a more broader um, kind of view. Um, what does peace yeah. mean in a broader sense, Myrna? Um, I, well, in my opinion, if we're talking about in a reality way, in a big sense, obviously a lot of international regulations about peace from the law perspective would be very helpful, helpful for different countries. But speaking from my personal, may I share a story that I am truly, truly inspired by is that in Chongqing, China, there is a lawyer 
called um uh, his name is Tang Shui. Now, in my opinion, he's a superhero. Why? Because he grew up with deaf parents, so he learned the sign language very young. And then growing up, he felt like, how can he create peace in a society for deaf people? Because a lot of people may not understand the problems that they go to, and they they're not fully capacitated to explain all the problems that they're facing or how people are not treating them fairly, and that would cause. A lot of problems, so he felt like he had an obligation to learn law, and then to learn sign language. So now, amazing story is that he helped a bunch of deaf people solve their legal issues, and then under his guidance, he has taught the first deaf lawyer in China. So now, I think from a legal perspective, having law to protect everyone obviously is the most important thing, but making sure everyone gets access to it. Is very very crucial as well. So this lawyer to me is a superhero. And another example which really hits me personally is recently the China Saudi Arabia Iran peace resolution, which I think is really really amazing because who would have ever thought growing up you always hear about news and you always hear the problems going on, but you'd never think that a country so close to your heart could help other two countries talk to each other and find a resolution. So I think it was a perfect, perfect example for other countries as well to solve the issues that they're going from, and it's a really, really great step for in the right direction for the Middle East. And in my opinion, I find it quite encouraging to the rest of the world. In this process, it really demonstrates the importance of dialogue and negotiation in solving international disputes. I've always felt like true power is not only being powerful yourself, but using your power to help other countries and other people. Create stuff that are powerful as well. So I think for me, it's it's a lasting peace, and I'm hoping that it's going to be very helpful for both regions. Great example to the rest of the world to advocate more negotiations and dialogue. Sure,、um, total. I know that you went to a lot of you know embassy hosted events, especially、mm-hmm. diplomatic events in the UK as well. Can you share some of them? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so I think your question overall, right, was like. Peace in a general sense, and what does that mean, and what does that mean to us? So for me, I think going to these diplomatic events and these different occasions, one of the big things I always try to say when I'm there is that I think minorities really, really do have to stick together. And I think part of it is because I grew up in London, so for me, a multicultural background and multicultural school had a big influence on me. And at some of these diplomatic events and some of these peace gatherings, sometimes I feel a bit. Upset because I often hear the same comment, and to me it doesn't really make sense. It's a waste of time. And people say to me, "Yeah, Toto. On the one hand, it's really good that all this stuff is going on to raise awareness against Asian racism and to spread Asian love. But at the same time, you know, why are people always focusing on other minorities? Why are there always marches against black racism, for example? And I think comparing the suffering of other minorities really is not the way to go. It's a waste of time." Actually, pain is just pain, and so we really shouldn't compare and contrast. Oh, they receive this sympathy, and there are these marches to help them. But where are the marches to help us? Actually, if you think like this, what you're basically assuming is that you're docile and you're just complacent, and you're waiting for the awareness to come to you. But actually, what you should do is make the awareness yourself. And so, this is one problem that I think a lot of my Asian friends haven't faced yet because they kind of wait. For the awareness to come to them, and they wait for the events to happen. But actually, I think what's really important is that you do nothing but support the fight against racism for other minorities, and you yourself initiate and encourage the fight against racism for your people. So for me, that's very important. I think to me, peace means helping other minorities, being at one with other minorities, being colorblind, and sharing love. So to me, that's what peace means in the general sense. One thing I think is amazing about the black community in the West is that black people in media are very, very confident to say black is beautiful, support black businesses, and so right now I think because of this way of dealing with racism, we have more and more black rock stars, rappers, models, a black president. That's fantastic. I think the way that we're going to have more Asians in those roles is to take up the mantle of celebrating. Yeah, don't complain, don't compare your racism, your suffering to others. Celebrate your beauty, celebrate others' beauty, and go out there and do things. And so that's why I always say to my Asian friends: don't be shy and humble, be proud, celebrate, support Asian businesses, support each other, support your brothers and sisters, support people of other races, and you'll find more peace in your heart. 
you'll find more love within yourself. You'll be more happy with yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm. For sure. Um, now let's go to Janela. I really agree with Koto because I think like uh, if you really accept who you are, nobody can change your opinion. It's exactly because in America we can see like they know you, they promote a lot of black people business the way you say it. Now if in nowhere even when you go when you go to America you can see like black they just black they just buy black people things. So it's not it's not because they don't like uh, what people think. It's because they want us to be proud of us, to be confident, to be like, yeah, I'm black. I'm really I have my my hair, so I want to buy the uh, black people hair uh, treatment, those kind of things. Before, if you can see in the past, before uh, we black girls and black men, it was like we 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 have like kind of uh, complex about our hair uh, because we have like curly hair, and then you have the strength. Uh, was thinking like their sun air is more beautiful than our air. But if if um, now we can see like you have a lot of even white girl, or, uh, even yellow, yellow, the Asian girl, the Asian boy, now they like to put the Afro things. It's just because now we have said who we are and then we want to be more proud of us and more proud of Africa and more proud of uh, we, our king. So I think I really agree with what Toto said, if you if you want to have a peace, the peace is to accept who you are. And then if you love yourself, you can love another person. If you don't love yourself, you're not going to love anybody else. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So Asians can be a little shy, um, not like uh, like Toto said, black people. A lot of times they're, uh, they're just telling everybody that blacks lives matter, right? But Asians, mm-hmm. I guess a few people do that. Um, and by the way, I, yeah, of, now, course, of course, this is like a this is like a generalization, right? Because it's not for everybody. Of course, everybody is an individual, so you know it depends on the person, right? Sure. But I think in general, there is definitely a sense uh, with Asians in the West that we have to be humble. And actually, I think, you know, maybe maybe it's it's too late for that. You know, maybe it's a, a new stage that we're at now. And so that's my feeling. Yeah. Mm. Right. Oh. But there are lots of very very confident and creative and amazing. Asian friends that I have, you know, and I think I've got also black friends that feel like they can't be confident or they can't speak out, you know, so it all depends on the individual. We can't generalize, but I think we can learn from each other for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we need to know that this is a problem and we need to make our voices heard. I think this is very important. Yulia, tell us about your thoughts. Uh, in my opinion, in a higher level of uh, peace, uh, I would like to probably say a more different opinion as Marina because in my opinion, peace on a higher level is not only about communication, but also about leaving some things behind and leaving some problems behind that doesn't, uh, that, that is not close to you. For example, uh, for China, I know that, uh, you know, not that long ago, there was a Taiwanese that is really a huge deal. And back then, I was actually thinking about why some countries really care about Chinese problems and care about some problems in China so much. You know, that was kind of an issue for me, you know, what stays in a country should always stay in a country. What's uh, uh, one country's problem should always be one country's problem. And, if, and you know, it's not only for China, it's not only for the United States. It also applies to every country. Um, you know, sometimes countries have so much more information and the government has so much more information that we know you know they have a lot a lot more resources to get the information from so sometimes solving a problem is not just about the talk and conversation but it's also about how you solve the problem with what attitude or how long it's going to take for you to solve the problem so uh on a higher level i think uh, we should first of all understand and solve our problems, uh, a country's problem or some problem that means a lot more to you and then care about some problems of others. You know, if you're a really strong country like China, you can help out and other countries are actually accepting your help. Then it's definitely another situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I really like, um, I remember this is um, said by one of the Chinese diplomats, and he said um, China would treat every single country, whether it's big country or small country, the, exactly the same. Exactly. I'm gonna, said, yes. We're not going to discriminate anybody, right? We're going to treat everybody the same. 
it's pretty much like um, you treat everybody the same in everyday life and then um, on a country or a world level like a, a strong country needs to treat um, a, a other countries regardless of their size equally as well right yeah and their powers too mm -hmm. um, now let's get back to our favorite favorite discussion internet trolls we, we already talked about this um, but and let me just tell you about um, our polls we did before um, our show. We asked our viewers, have you ever encountered keyboard warriors? Do you guys, are you guys familiar with that term, keyboard warriors? Yeah, sure. Essentially means trolls. Um, and like among all of them, 700 votes, 70% said yes, 30% said no. All right, let's, um, let me get you some of the comments. This person said, um, Confucius said, which means something like use reason and facts to deal with the grief, grievance, injustice, and or any bad treatment. I think this is good advice for everyone. Some other comments that we got here. So this person said, logic and perseverance always win. And this person said, just don't reply. The circle of hatred is endless. Blocking and ignoring work for me. Do they work for you as well? Blocking and ignoring? Yeah, I think it's better to ignoring because if you reply, you'll be a hazim because if you try to bad and then you reply the same, you find the same thing, so you, you and him, you're the same. So I think it's better to block and ignore anything. You don't have to say anything. Like this person, this person said, we have very long comments here. This person said, many people have a hard time expressing themselves in words online. There shouldn't be an issue with shyness since it isn't face to face. I hope that more people, especially Asians, will become more comfortable expressing their opinions. So pretty much like what Toto said, a lot of Asians are, you know, very tension, very humble, and they don't want to, sometimes they want to be, um, you know, they don't want to openly fight with others. So they always like hide their emotions. And sometimes when they face discriminations or bullying, they want, they just, you know, pretty much like, um, I'll just do whatever you said. Just don't. Yeah. Just leaving me alone. Something like that. Yeah. And maybe for some people that works. You know, maybe that's one way. Like you just mentioned of ignoring it. So maybe for some people that's a good. Thing, but I worry that maybe for other people, actually, any criticism, any stereotypes, any keyboard warriors or whatever we're talking about, slowly, slowly starts to grain on them and slowly, you know, subconsciously begins to affect them. And then, of course, if you're always humble and you always keep it within yourself, eventually you're going to lose yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think when I say fight back, I don't mean fight aggressively. I mean fight back as in celebrate mm -hmm. and find the confidence to ride. And that's so easy to say and very, very hard to do. But I think that's one thing that Asians in the West especially could maybe have a think about because this idea of being humble and accepting it, actually, we should not accept it. Why? Why do we have to accept it? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the psychology that I'd like to promote. So you're a model for you. Yeah, go ahead. Who's talking? Really? No, I actually, I thought that in the psychological way, actually, if you're, um, we are humans and we're sensitive. So if you got some kind of comments and as uh, Trinala says, you just block them and you ignore them, one day or another, you'll think about that comment again and you will say, oh, why I didn't reply? Why I didn't do anything? So it might stuck in your head for quite a long time. I think uh, ignoring is one way to deal with these comments, but also a better way is to actually stand up and reply. Uh -huh. Although you might not be like me and reply every comment is going to be kind of boring and take a lot of your time. But uh, still, uh, I think replying sometimes and actually reply to something that actually really hurts you, mm -hmm. that's going to help out a lot. Yeah. Myrna, have you ever received any um, hate comments on your social media? Um exactly directed at me so far not yet but i am very open to the possibility that in the future there will probably be more and more so i think whether or not to ignore it or to work more on yourself to be more open and more accepting could be a method but like i said earlier if if a hundred people compliment you and one person really hurts you with his words that might affect you more and so i think working on ourselves is a mission that everyone is on so the more you can accept that 
everyone comes from a position that you may not understand of, you don't know why they're on the internet trolling. You don't really know why they would say mean things because coming from your point of view, I don't think I would ever go on the internet and say, oh, I don't like this celebrity or I don't like this news, so I'm going to go on and comment, I don't like your eyebrows today or I don't like the stuff that you're talking about. If I know myself that that's my point of view and I would never do that, I would never understand why they would. And I think we shouldn't go and analyze too much into it on why they would give a bad comment. Maybe it's something they're going through themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to say that, yeah, because I'm a police. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not a police, I'm a police student. <laughs> so I think if you have any problem, just go to the police. For example, here in China, we have the cyber police. So you just go to to ask why they are doing those kind of things. Or just, uh, like, for example, me, when I post something on Douyin and they start to do, they start to say something I don't like, I just block any comment. I don't want to say anything. Because if you start to reply, you still reply to the one, the one comment, and then next one you go and come, and then another one. And you have a lot of toxic per- uh, person here in the world. You never meet somebody every, every time send you a message like to say like you are not beautiful you are, i don't you or you think you are all those kind of things so i think uh i think it's better if you can replay just replay but i think for for example if you don't you don't mind you don't you think like if you just believe on you you say like yeah i'm beautiful i'm i'm i'm, I'm. so you don't have to say like you don't have to replay those kind of things because if you have a friend the friend can come also to comment the same thing it can it can hurt you so I think like better to just ignore anything. Mm-hmm. It's uh, more so always. It's more easily and more happiness. <laughs> but you know, sometimes you can't block em- everybody, especially if you're an influencer with 570,000 followers, isn't it? Total, that would be a huge work. You can't block everybody. Uh, block. Yeah, your fingers would get very tired. <laughs> right, so um, I guess... Uh, if you- if you receive all those hey comments, uh, do they bother you psychologically or? No, not psychologically. No, I mean, any comments directed at me personally, I, I really don't take to heart. So I'm very lucky in that way. I'm already 31. So I've been using the internet and social media for quite a long time. So it doesn't really get to me in that way. Of course, there's pressure like, you know, being a performer and stuff like that. Um, you know, about your appearance and your performance and if you can say your lines right and things like that you know so it's pressure and i want to do my best but i don't really take it to heart in that way if it's directed at me but i think there are some things that anger me in comments and they represent a sort of wider problem so for example one big one is that i often get the comment oh you love china you're a proud chinese guy propaganda it can't be real it can't be honest you can't really be proud to be asian must be propaganda I I don't get that at all. To me, that is like it's mind blowing how entrenched, how deep the fear of China is, and how unfamiliar people are with Asian performers. So to me, that is just crazy. That for some reason, being proud of my blood and my background and who I am means that it must be propaganda. You know, I think that really shows just how much of a distance there is between the East and West right now and how big the stereotypes are against China. So for me personally, that kind of angers me more and it upsets me in a deeper level. Mm-hmm. But personally, I, I don't feel offended, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, um, we're getting to the end of our show. So everybody, um, I guess in one or two sentences, tell us what are some ways that you think can promote peace around you? Let's start from Toto. Spread love be loving, be happy. I think to me, peace and love means happiness too. It means joy as well. So as much as you can try to be happy, it sounds so simple. I sound really stupid saying it, but you know, life is short and find happiness, find joy before it's too late, you know? So I think, you know, try to really, really, really think about who you are and where you're from. Think about how you can help people around you. Think about how you can, you know, just do good things and be good to others. And I'm not Christian and I don't want to sound like religious or anything like that, but I really think it's important that you spread peace and love. You go out there and you actively do things. You get to know yourself. And I think through knowing yourself and loving yourself and understanding yourself, you'll also do the same to others. So I think it's really important. So just be positive, be happy, you know, don't waste time with. Mm, Mm. Sure. Um, Spread love. Um, 
Make sure you learn Sheng from your dad, okay? Spread more Chinese love. I will, I will. Sorry, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give you an update. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Um, Myrna. Um, for me, I think the best way of spreading peace is obviously to respect and to be more accepting of everything. Um, by everything, obviously, I mean like whichever a person portrays a weird habit to you, never feel like you can't ask more questions. So I would advocate a lot for asking more questions. If there's something you don't understand about a culture or a language or a behavior, even feel free to ask more questions and don't, you never know, maybe then you'll understand more why this person acts like this or why this country does this or why this behavior is like that. So I think advocating peace is always asking more questions and be curious. You'll be surprised. Uh -huh. Get to know others. All right, Yulia. So in my opinion, probably understanding, definitely understanding not only others, but uh, the culture, the countries, the problems, understanding of everything around you. And also, I think it's more thinking, you know, deep thoughts about everything that you do, thinking about everything before you do. And I think thinking and understanding is definitely two words to describe peace, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. All right. Chanela. Yeah, for me, I can use Chinese word. I want to say, like, you have to, you have to be your chi, your inner. So you have to help the person in, in your environment to help, to, to give love. If you share love, you can have love. Mm -hmm. So I, like, the, this, the, the most important way to, to have peace is like to give peace to people, people will give you back. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, peace is like sharing peace, getting peace. You really know a lot of Chinese phrases about peace and love. <laughs> What's that? Trina, you want to add something? Yeah, I want to say, like, I really like the Chinese culture. And then I, I, I found out that the Chinese culture, they have a lot of words about the peace. And even if you see the word in Chinese, well, peace, it's like, it's like quality. It's like everybody is equality. So I feel like if you share peace, you can have peace. Because her is like with and ping is pinged on the ping. So I feel like it's like a quality. Everybody's quality. So peace and love is quality. If you have peace, you can get peace. All right. Um, that's it for our this edition of What's the Talk? Um, we talked about peace. And from our guests, we know that we need to make our voices heard and also get to know others, learn about their cultural background, learn about their stories, and make sure to respect others and respect yourself. Be confident. That's it for today. Thank you so much. I'm Li Zhao and bye. That's our final installment for special program series, What's the Talk? You can find us on Apple Podcast at Roundtable China. If you're an Android user, catch us on the Yunting app. I'm He Yang. We'll see you next time. Go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. Hear our conversations.